This episode is brought to you by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Learn more at slashandcast.net. Hello, welcome to the Conjecturing a Horrorish podcast. With me is Laura. Hello. And Greg. Hey. And I'm your host, Rob. How's everybody doing tonight? Aces. Aces. Not Aces. bad. Not bad, Rob. Doing pretty good. Everybody's doing pretty well right now. Pretty wild movie we've, we've picked out tonight. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Laura's goal of trying to scare the living shit out of me, I think it might have been completed. I, I don't know. You know, might have had a little wow. Might have had a little turtle head poking out. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh shit! I can't wait to can't wait to hear about it. I this. would have predicted the opposite. Yeah. What? Yeah. You would have predicted yeah. my my poop would have been farther into my butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, complete opposite. I actually I do have to agree with Greg. It's like I was trying to scare you, but. So to listeners out there, we always have a few text messages, you know, throughout the week before we record and after we've watched the movie. And I feel like you guys, like I always give it away. I'm always like, oh, my God, this is crazy or, oh, this is annoying. And you guys have really good poker faces via text. So, yeah, I kind of thought with your text, Rob, that I was like, oh, shit, I don't think I got him. No, I didn't. I didn't send a poop emoji. So you don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right. I think what happens is, is you turn on the hype machine. And once you, you do that, you flip that switch. Rob's got a week to mentally and physically <laughs> and emotionally prepare for what he's about to encounter. It's, it's mm-hmm. like it's the Van Helsing effect when people think it's mm-hmm. going to be a 10. And then it comes across as like an eight. You anticipate it to be something much greater than it is. And it winds up being a six for you. So I think what needs to happen, regardless of whether or not this scared the living daylights out of you, Rob, I think in future movies, uh, Laura, your picks, your let's scare Rob picks need to be like, keep that close to the chest. I think you need to develop your poker face and then like yeah, reveal, reveal yeah. your intention the following episode. Ooh, that's good because I actually have another one like ready to go. So you know what to do. Good, good. Yeah. Well, so you know what to yeah. do. <laughs> so, yeah. So everybody's listening. Uh, this week we did 2012 Sinister. Um, so that's the movie we did. That's the movie we're talking about. Did it make me shit myself? We'll find out later. Um, so uh, what are you guys wearing tonight? What's your Zoom backgrounds? What do you got going on, Laura? I am dressed as Little Dead Stephanie. One of the dead kids, the one who, you know, hung her entire family. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, I'm like my, my underwear slightly wet right now. Like it's pretty great. It's pretty scary, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, little, little Stephanie, she wears like a blue checkered dress. I'm just in a blue shirt. And then she has this big red bow on the top of her hair. So I did my hair kind of like her, did the bow. And then on top of that, I have the black around the eyes and lips. And I also have little black cracks in my face because that's kind of what she looked like sometimes it's it's horrifying yeah yeah her her, her zoom background is the kids and so like when she when she moves to one side it's literally like side by side laura and then that little girl it's it's really creepy yeah Mm -hmm. this is why i i admire the makeup route that you take because people listening to the podcast just the there's no ability to appreciate it but like just looking at it right now you look like one of that one of those dead family members. It's really creepy. 
Yeah. I'm scarier because I'm an adult and she's like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, <laughs> some people think kids are scarier, but I think mm-hmm. that a menacing adult. I think I think a menacing adult that's dressed like a child is actually the creepiest. Is actually so the you worst, are the yeah. you are the worst, Laura. <laughs> yeah, that's. I win. Yeah. You do win. Yeah, yeah. I win uh, as being the worst. Okay, yeah, I like it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Greg? What are you, what are you wearing tonight? What's your background? Um, my background is also the kids, but they're basically like shrouded in shadows. It's kind of creepy. My little outfit is Allison. He's the main character. That's a that's a guy's name. He's the protagonist played by Ethan Hawke. Wait, is that ever uh, uh, like a woman's name? Well, isn't it? Oh, I think of Allison when I think of when I hear El- Have you ever heard of Allison? So, so a- if you pronounce it wrong, then it's a, a, a female's name. Yeah, I, which I do pronounce things wrong sometimes. Oh, okay. So I, I wanted to clear that up. <laughs> so yeah, I've got the, you know, it's not really a, a knitted sweater, which is his, it's his trademark in this movie. But it, 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 it's kind of like, it's got these really long collars and I've got his, you know, 70 year old bifocal glasses that he carries around his neck. And then uh, this is my shirt. In the movie, he's got this really cheesy college, you know, shirt that you see sometimes people wear around to kind of profess what kind of fancy private university they went to. And here's mine. It's custom made conjecturing college. That that I think is that's the best touch. That's the best touch, Greg. That's I love job, it. You know? Yeah, I love it, Greg. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty much almost the same as Greg. I just didn't have a cool T-shirt that I made. You know, I have like a little cardigan on, some glasses. Uh, I have a book that you know I've I've read a couple years ago. You know, approaches to writing a novel. So something I do yeah. in my spare time. You know, there's some parts in this movie where I feel like Ellison. You know, like you know, I'm I'm drinking a lot too much at night. I can't like crack the page. It's not like creepy kids or anything like that. It's just trying to get that story to come out. You know, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. And then my background is is his books he wrote. So I got his three books. One's a bestseller. The other two apparently are garbage. Uh, so, so yeah. So we got two Ellisons and a creepy old woman girl. So that's cool, you know. <laughs> nice. <laughs> For a second, I was like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, that's me. Oh, that's got you. it. That's Laura. That's Laura. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking of Laura, uh, we're going back to Laura doing drinks again. So Laura, what's our drink tonight? And actually, uh, I'm gonna let Greg do this one because he came up with it this week he looks surprised so i don't Greg really looks know. like he doesn't know what i'm talking about you came up with our cocktail this week i totally forgot what's it called let me do the, let me do the drop <laughs> let me do the drop here and then hopefully it'll give greg about oh, three, right, three right, seconds right, right. to remember okay all right <laughs> what's in the cups all right greg uh see if you remember now what your mind came up with and uh see if you can explain it it's. I actually didn't come up with it, but I Google searched it. It's a drink called the Backseat Boogie, and it, it means it means one thing under the context which you probably imagined it to mean. But in this movie, the demon is called what is it called? Boogie Boogle Baguli. I'm so bad at the demon names. I think it's Bagul. 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 Also, also called Mr. Boogie. Oh, the kids call him Mr. Boogie. Yeah, the kids call him Mr. Boogie. So, and he he sort of takes a back seat, and we'll talk about that later uh, in how he kills people. So that's that's the drink. It's a little bit gin, a little (laughs) bit of vodka, some cranberry, and. Ginger ale. And ginger ale. I didn't have ginger ale, so I put ginger beer, which is actually pretty good still. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. this is really good. It's delicious. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Good job, Greg. Cheers. 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 You know, for some for some reason, every time I hear back, 
backseat boogie, I always go to backdoor boogie, which is like way worse than than what you're thinking. <laughs> Funny. Um, yes. Do we uh, do we got any? Uh, you guys have any updates from last week's show, Exorcist? You guys mm, got anything you want to no. talk about? You know, um, how about Father Greg? How are your lips doing? Have you performed any more? <laughs> exorc- <laughs> have you performed? Have you have you performed any more exorcisms? You know, other than me last week when my voice got messed up, you saved me. I have oh. not performed any exorcisms. I've been drinking a lot of water though, so my mm. my lips are feeling a lot less possessed. Wow! I'll leave you guys alone for a second. I know. You know, you know what? I'm still waiting. I am still waiting for though a listener to chime in with their take on the God topic with War of the Worlds. I hope that comes one episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not though. We'll see. Yeah. Tom Cruise is probably blocking him on our server. He's not letting him through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Laura, why did you pick this movie? <sighs> Other than making me want to shit myself. So I, I think the number one reason was I really wanted to make you scared after you were not scared mm-hmm. from The Exorcist. But for me, I I thought that this was one of the scariest movies that existed. I mean, I'd only seen it one other time and it really scared the shit out of me for real. So oh, for real. Dang. I did not. <laughs> I did not want to rewatch it, but. You know, I figured it was worth seeing if it still held up. And you, you mentioned last week that this movie like was rated number one on some scientific study about the scariest movie ever made, right? Yes, yes. I actually I wrote this down here. So it was just this year in 2020 that Forbes magazine conducted a study. It was called the Science of Scare Project. And what they did was they tested the heart rates of the viewers And they watched a number of different horror films, but out of the 35 top films that they use, Sinister One having the highest average heart rate and spiking to 131 beats per minute. So yeah, it was deemed scariest movie. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys gone through the the full list? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I went through it uh, earlier today and... It's kind of legit, and I it's I don't legit. When, legit. when you say scariest movie, scary it, just like our podcast, it's subjective. Scary yeah. means different things to different people. But when I look at the top ten, Insidious, Conjuring, Hereditary, Paranormal Activity, It Follows, Conjuring Two, Babadook, Descent, Visit, Ugh. they all have similar aspects to them that are like this movie that kind of keep you on edge the whole way. And I and I understand the metrics of the study and it, it makes a lot of sense to me but i have a question for you that whole list you just listed off is so legit until you get to the visit i saw that and i i don't know that that was a glitch in the mate i don't know how that got in there <laughs> especially the, the one right after the visit is the ring the ring is like on a 10 yeah all of these movies the ring babadoo conjuring i mean they all oh my god yeah, it's 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 a really interesting study, though. Unless people are horrified by kids rapping, then maybe it, it should be up there. I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so so before we get more into the movie this week, before we get more into Sinister, uh, let's do our horror segment of the week. Uh, this week I have this week I got a question for you guys. Um, this week question pertains to Ethan Hawke. Hmm. Um, so the question I wanted to pertain to you guys would be, um, 
So pretty much if you had to live in one of these three movies I'm going to give you, Ethan Hawke movies, which one would you choose? Okay. And you have to be more or less like the main characters in the movie. You can't just be like a bystander chilling on the road or something like that. Oh. Okay. So you have this movie, Sinister. I know what you're going to say. You pretty much have to be like in a, you know, haunted house thingy going on. You have to watch Super 8 film. Uh, Then you got The Purge. You got to be living in The Purge. What? Um, He's in The Purge? He's in The Purge. He's the main guy. Yeah. I've never seen The Purge movies. And, and <sighs> then, well, you know what The Purge is, so you, you know what it's about. So <laughs> Yeah, I do know. Wow. And then lastly, you got Training Day. So oh. you, got, <laughs> you got those three movies. And Training Day, you're going to have to be either riding shotgun with Denzel, and he's fucking the biggest bad motherfucker of them all, and shady and shit. So which, which of those three, which, which one do you want to live in? <laughs> I think the the maybe the obvious answer, which I'm not going to choose, is Training Day because it pertains to real life. But at the same time, if you see that movie, Denzel takes him to just these really urban neighborhoods where Ethan Hawke is almost a fish out of water. And I don't do good in those situations. I would probably get shot or killed and my ass handed to me. So I'm not choosing Training Day. You're not gonna you're not gonna bring your Swiffer Jet gun you got from War of the Worlds. Maybe okay, maybe. <laughs> I I would get shot sooner. Your baby, your baby samurai sword. (laughs) Oh man, you! you, If you brandish your samurai sword in the hood, you're dead before you even pull it out, man. In the hood, it's not a good idea. (laughs) Training day is out. Clearly, after watching this movie, Sinister is out. I don't even have to explain why. I'm going to go with the Purge. In the Purge. It's it's a it's a get it's a it's a game of chance really. I think <gasps> on, only one out of maybe a hundred homes gets hit by intense violence. I don't know. I I feel like the odds are in my favor. And two, you've got a year to plan. So I'm going to create the biggest hmm. baddest panic room and not let me. Are you allowed to do that though? Oh yeah. It's it's a part of the governmental process. I hope we get to this movie pretty soon. It's fantastic. Everybody knows the purge is coming. So at least you have time. Wait, wait. Not not a real purge, Laura. Really. Oh, like, what? <laughs> oh no, Laura's in like the I, film. In the film. L- Laura's like I didn't get the memo for Trump's last days in office. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I did it. We, we, we weren't going to talk it, but I did it. Sorry, guys. You literally were like, you guys are not allowed to talk. About yeah, it. I'll take I'll take I'll take the brunt. I'll take the brunt of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely the purge for me. The moment you hear that that air horn. I'm going to be a hundred feet in the basement. No one's going to get to me and my family for 24 mm-hmm. hours. You got, you're just stocked up with protein shakes and. Oh yeah. Juice boxes. All that stuff we talked about during War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. What do you, what about you, Laura? What do you think? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not picking Sinister because. Nope. <laughs> uh, I'm not picking The Purge because I obviously haven't watched it yet, which means that I don't want to watch it. Mm, which means you guys are probably going to pick it soon which really sucks because <laughs> i've been successfully avoiding it for years and years and years but um yeah i guess i have to go with training day which i've seen once and don't really remember i mean you wouldn't last an hour <laughs> i don't know i'm pretty woke so i feel like i might i might last i know you love luda maybe you'll be okay that doesn't make me woke, jesus See, no. I'm going to last longer than Rob. Well, I'm not going there, so uh, that's fine. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> no, no, no. Where are you going? Man, I don't know. I think I'm just going to do the purge then. I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm going to get in the back backseat boogie with Greg, and we're just going <laughs> to 
We're just going to go in the bunker together. We'll do the bunker boogie. We'll do bunker boogie. Backseat boogie, boogie, boogie. Backseat yeah. boogie, boogie, boogie. I'll do, I'll do a special knock. A special knock, Greg. You'll let me in. And you know, we'll just like hang out. We'll chill. Maybe we'll record a podcast over down there. And Yeah. You know. Okay, well, wait, wait. If we have a bunker with like, you know, schnapps and juice boxes schnapps. and guns, then I'm there. <laughs> yeah, like Rob, you and I are clearly not going with Laura to with our cable knit sweaters and bifocal glasses down to the projects in training day. So <laughs> Well, I wouldn't want to go with you guys down there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thanks. Okay. I'll take the purge. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll all, we'll all just be in Greg's bunker, hoping that our our meal replacement shakes last us until it's over. I think, right? mm-hmm. or until Greg. This is the plan the whole time, and it turns into Saw, and Greg kills me and Laura. Yeah, oh. that's kind of what I feel like. me, me and Laura wake up, and there's like a key in my belly button, and you know, Laura. So try to find it, and and Greg's on the floor, but then he gets up later. Yeah, man, yeah. you guys are too oh, smart. God. Yeah, this is all Greg's plan. I knew it. Dang, crazy man. All right. Well, if anybody wants to email us in, let us know what Ethan Hawke movie <laughs> they would want to be a part of, uh, you know, to try to survive. If they want to come in the bunker with us, all are welcome. Bring a samurai sword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Samurai swords are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can hit us up conjecturingpod at Gmail or Twitter, Instagram at conjecturingpod. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's get into the movie now. Let's get into the movie here. No more samurai swords. No more liquor. Well, there's actually liquor in this movie, but, you know, Samurai Swords. Um, yeah, so it's time to boogie down. Let's boogie down and get to the movie. Nice. Yeah, so we spoil the warning. We already said we're doing Sinister this week. This is a 2012 film. Uh, this is director Scott Derrickson. Uh, he's the guy that just did Doctor Strange recently. Um, so I, I know him, of course, from that. Uh, he did Exorcism of Emily Rose, um, Deliver Us from Evil. Um, so definitely he started in a horror background, uh, which is pretty cool. And then he's also the one um, that just got signed on to do the Labyrinth reboot. Oh, no way. Wow. So he's the one that's doing the sequel, quote unquote, sequel to the Labyrinth. Oh, my God. It's going to be so dark. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's like super cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm ex- I'm, I'm really excited for that. You know, that's really cool. We, we reviewed Labyrinth back on whatever it was, episode 12 or something like that. You know, we, the David Bowie, you know, not not Pan's Labyrinth like Laura watched, but David Bowie Labyrinth. Uh, Damn. Can't wait to see that trailer from the director who brought you Sinister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sinister oh, and Doctor man. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. My uh, mind is blown. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so this movie, the the budget was three million dollars. Kind of a typical, I think, horror budget, three million dollars. I think right around there. Uh, box office was eighty seven point seven million dollars. So, made a good amount of money at the box office there, which is really wow. cool. Um, yeah. And Laura, do you want to do interesting fact? Yeah. The family that was hanged on a tree were all played by stuntmen. However, when the scene was first done, the stunt coordinator botched the preparations for the scene, resulting in the actors being legitimately hanged and choked. Fortunately, they survived and the coordinator was fired soon after. That's a true fact. That's a true fact. Yeah, are they sure it wasn't just like a de- like a descendant of like the director from The Exorcist and he was just trying to make it real? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, that's crazy. So they almost just killed the stun doubles in that scene? I'm sure once they realized that they were actually hanging by their necks, they stop <laughs> it and you wouldn't die immediately. I don't know. I think if you're in that scene and that's happening, I think the director is like, wow, these are some great actors acting like they can't <laughs> breathe. You know what I mean? Like, how would you really know? Like, they would just be flailing more than you slightly expected. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and which but- cut do they use in the movie? Did they use that cut? Or they oh, I, actually- I, bet, I bet they use that real cut. That was I bet they did, too. Yeah. 
Wow. Um, do you want to just keep talking now? You know, do the cast here. Okay. We have Ethan Hawke as Ellison Oswalt. Not Allison. Yeah, not Allison. Wait, you guys can't tell me that you've never, I've never heard of the name Ellison before. Really? Have I you? Have. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's my grandfather's name, Greg. It's messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. No, no vents. Okay. You want to keep going? All right. Going? We got uh, Juliet Rylance as Tracy Oswalt, his wife. James Ranson as Deputy So and So. Claire Foley as Ashley, the daughter. And Michael Hall Diodario as Trevor, who's the son. And then we've got Nick King as our Bagul or Mr. Boogie. Hmm. Wow. Okay, Laura, you can just keep going. You got a synopsis to do now. Okay. We have our main character, Ethan Hawke. Uh, he plays Ellison. And he's sort of like a struggling true crime novelist working on his new book. And he moves his family, which is his wife and two young kids, And he actually moves them into the same house as the murder he is investigating. And inside the new house, he goes up into the attic and he finds all of these old, you know, uh, home movies, home movies. Yes. He finds all these home movies. And then as he watches them, he realizes that he has come across a series of other connected murders and then potentially opened a gateway to like a demonic deity. Very true. Very true. I like it. Okay. I mean, I don't like it, but yeah, very true. Yeah, good, job. good job, Laura. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's just start, you know, we normally start, let's start with the opening in this movie. I mean, <laughs> this is something like I've, I've never seen something like this before in a movie where it's like the first image you see, like one second into like this movie starting is like a family hanging from a tree. And I was just like taken back so much to be like, whoa, like this is where we're starting. Like this is the complete yeah. opposite from what we did last week in The Exorcist, which was like a 15 to 20 minute scene of an old man in the desert, like <laughs> slowly walking around. And this movie goes to like the first thing you see is like something where I'm like, holy shit. Like, are you guys with me? Yeah. They didn't mess around. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's insane. The camera's from like a fixed position, maybe 20 feet from the tree looking up at the branch where the family of like four or five are hanging. And there's some type of mechanism that makes them drop. I don't know. Did you guys notice that this like a branch breaks and then they drop mm-hmm. and they hang. It's, mm-hmm. it's like you said, Rob, the first thing you see, it's so terrifying because you really don't, you don't hear, no one's talking. No, no one's talking. No one's making noise. I think it's really just weird. Uh, tones and sounds in the yeah it's like it's that creepy that creepy ominous sound you hear through most of this movie which is like a super a super high positive for this movie is the the tones in this movie and the music uh then, yeah. you, then you also hear like the sound of like the super eight film like that that, that kind of clicking it makes yeah, yeah it's just so eerie like right off the bat like one second one second in i was like oh i gotta change my underwear like i'm already like done you know it's like, <laughs> it's like holy crap i just i was yes. not i was not expecting to be like like literally one second into this movie and i'm already like holy shit hey we can just stop the podcast now that was because i me. i succeeded oh yeah you got me in the first minute that's amazing no first second for second for of, second for second of this movie <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's oh crazy. God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, what do you guys think about a little bit more of the actual like opening to the movie a bit now, <laughs> not just the first five seconds? That's kind of the cold. Though. The the opening credits really are that, you know, you yeah. know, uh, then you really get into like Laura said, you know, like the family's moving into the home and 
really starting, you know, kind of like who these people are and what they're about. And what do you guys think of like that part of like the family opening? Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it did everything that it needed to do. It's it, the opening scene after that scene really, it, it takes like five or 10 minutes to go through what's happening. You notice that the family's moving into a new house and through the dialogue and through everything that's going on, it does it does what it needs to. The, the intro grabs your attention. It's super freaky. You hear through Ethan Hawke's character that he's basically, uh, it's, it's almost like a horror novelist, but he writes, like you said, for, for cold cold cases or, or uh, crime novels. So you realize he's trying to create the next big novel because his fame happened when he wrote a novel that helped crack a case 15 something years ago, and he has yet to break a new case since. Um, and I thought it was a really effective opening. You see them unpacking their stuff at this new house. The only, the funny thing is, is only he and the officers, the, the police officers from this local town that pull up to the house, know that this was the home where the murders were held. His wife, his kids are none the wiser. They have no idea. And they have a couple of conversations in the, in the street. Ellison talks to the police officers, the police officers that you have the police chief who comes down and he's basically telling him that, well, we, you know, welcome to our city. We really don't want you here because we know what you're about. We know you're you're kind of a celebrity and you're here to uh, bring some attention to this case, which we've closed for the most part. And the mystery is that the family was killed and yet there was one daughter who was never found so she has gone missing so this is basically his mission um is to understand how the family was was killed and what happened to the to the one young daughter what what, what do you think Laura? what do you think of like this like opening opening of the movie yeah i agree with greg it just it it did what it needed to do that is the perfect way to describe it um it's like already from the beginning i'm i'm mad at him like, what are you doing, dude? You're you're yeah. moving into the house where people died and like your wife has no idea. And then she kind of asks you in a roundabout way, like, oh, we're not living close to it. Right. And he's like, no, we're not living within a block or two of it. A.K.A. we're in the same <laughs> fucking house. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And then both of his kids clearly don't want to be there. And so I thought that was pretty important because, you know, if his family is like not feeling it, you know, that shit's about to go down. Like, yeah, lesson learned. You should just pack up and go. This was a bad idea. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so already it's just it was really unnerving to see that. And, and it kind of gives you a sense that even though he's not a super aggressive guy, he's obviously willing to go to extreme lengths to get the story, um, which I think sets up. You know, for me, watching this movie, I kept asking, like, why? Why do you keep digging in? Why do you keep watching more films? And I think the opening does a really good job of showing you, well, of course he's going to do that because he will literally stop at nothing to get the story. So, well, get fame, get fame back. Get fame. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. You know, the the opening does what it's supposed to do. It establishes the characters, who they are, what they're about. You know, Um, there's little like Easter eggs it does in the first couple minutes that pay off at the end with like the the daughter painting her room, you know, mm. be like, oh, you know, only paint your room, which, you know, after watching this movie, I'm throwing out all my child paints. He's not painting anything anymore. <laughs> There's no more painting going on in my house anymore. So I'm not even I'm not even getting into that anymore. Uh, but yeah, it does a really good job of just establishing everybody and who they are. And like you said, almost immediately, you really don't like him, you know, 
And that's yeah. what, that's one thing that's kind of crazy about this movie because like you know I, I don't know you're not, you know what I mean usually you're supposed to try to like relate to the character or at least like right have some form of like caring if he lives or dies but like through most of this movie you're just like like dude like you just don't like him ever you know um, yeah it's like you're asking for it yeah yeah so it's kind of crazy you know it's kind of crazy that this movie you know we'll get into the ending if it works or not but it, it's kind of crazy that, that that's how you start not liking him and I don't know if you ever turn that around you know i think it makes sense there was probably a time in film history when people love to love the characters that they were rooting for but i don't know i feel like in the last 10 or 15 years there you have more of the i think people relate to characters who are a little bit rough around the edges and and flawed sort of like the anti-hero guy to where it, you don't necessarily like we, we encountered this in the what's the movie the break-in movie uh don't breathe oh yeah where you didn't like any of the characters but the fact that you were able to relate to some of their struggles that's mm-hmm. all you needed to get into their their minds and you didn't have to love them and i feel like that's kind of a a trend that's been happening in, in movies recently and this was to me w- was no different yeah yeah, what, what did you guys think about the other characters in this movie? You know, you can get into characters and acting out of it. And... Well, just kind of following up to what Greg was saying, it's like we may not have loved the character, but I thought Ethan Hawke as an actor, he did, he sold it. Like, I, I thought for sure he did a pretty good job, even though I didn't like him. I think he did a good job. And yeah, as far as like the other characters and acting, I thought the kids are all really good. I mean, kids just seem to kill it in these horror movies. It's it's awesome. Yeah, it's really great. And then the wife, I felt really bad because she had legitimate concerns that I would have had too. But it, like, I, it's funny because I was watching this with my husband, and he hated Ethan Hawke's character. He hated. He was like, "This guy is such a douchebag," and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, he's making some mistakes, but." I think he's mistakes. the main character. The sweater <laughs> choice was the biggest mistake of all. Yeah. No, trust me. I don't like him as the main character. I'm like, okay, but this is who I'm, yeah, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. this, this is who we're watching. And then seeing his wife, I felt like I, she bugged me, even though she had the most legitimate concerns. I didn't like how she just kept saying, oh yes, I support you. But then would just immediately spew all the reasons why she didn't support him. Mm. And that really bothered me. Like as an actress, or you mean just like the what she was saying as a character? Maybe it wasn't. It was the acting. Mm. I don't know. It was just. It was too much. Mm-hmm. Like it was just a lot of yelling at him the whole movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Greg? Did the did the wife like uh, work for you at all in this movie, or what? I really wasn't a fan of her, but that what you're saying, <laughs> Laura, is very interesting, and I'm trying to figure out why because I think she states her case. I actually, I, I liked the acting between them the most. Their mm. their different arguments and their conversations, it felt very real to me, the drama yeah. between them. You have to imagine, it's a really crazy, screwed up life that she's having to m- pick up and move her kids to a completely different location. And the nature of her husband's work is to pursue a cold case, which is, a, is it's essentially a murder that hasn't been solved yet or that was deemed unsolvable. So just the nature of it is automatically dark. That's one thing. And the other thing is her kids are being affected by it. They have to pack up and go to a new location and adapt to a new environment. And clearly we find out that one of the kids has these night terrors. He sleepwalks a little bit. So they're not adjusting very well. So 
her concerns are legitimate, but the question is why you why you're not on board with her. She did seem kind of nagging. Yeah. But at at the same time, there were moments where, you know, she said it, it seemed like fair conversation. She goes, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to move in with my sister, which is that's a statement you say when you're separating from somebody. So the fact that they were suddenly the moment after that ready to like get into bed, that didn't really jive with me because how could you make that statement and be prepared to just split off with somebody? But then I don't know. There was something incongruent about that. And maybe that's why I wasn't the biggest fan of her because I wasn't sure where she stood and how well they've been hashing out the relationship issues. But there were moments where whenever they would meet at the kitchen table and and the the kids would talk about going to school and all these little moments where he would tell, you know, don't don't pick on your sister or, or what have you. Those were really cool. My favorite character, not my favorite character, but one of my favorite characters was actually the sheriff. Wait, the sheriff or the deputy so, so-and-so? The sheriff um, played by Fred Thompson. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's it's weird. He doesn't play a major role in the in this film. But what I really liked about him was this. He had an opportunity throughout the entire movie to be this cheese ball, hard ass cop, to be the ones, you gotta get out of my town. We don't want you here. Yeah. Blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. But he didn't take that route. He kind of came in. They when he met Ethan Hawk at the street, they postured a little bit. He's like if there's anything I can do to, to talk you out of moving into this house, you know, and he stated his qualms about his portrayal of law enforcement in his books. He was still respectful, though, in, in how he talked to him. He, he understands that he's that Ellison's character is just a guy who's following cold cases. And I don't know if you guys have um, listened to like cold case podcasts. I've listened to a few. It's really interesting. And in some cases, it's very admirable. So he he understands what he's doing, but he also understands that there's the pitfall of well, we don't want you bringing that drama. I think he used the word circus. We don't want you bringing that circus to our town. Our town is trying to heal. We're trying to get past this. And yet you're reviving grievances, basically, where, where they don't belong to, to make a buck. And all of that was conveyed in his conversation in the beginning. And there's also a conversation at the end, which we'll get to. But I thought he was very balanced and he didn't come off cheesy at all, which I thought he had every opportunity to do that. So I, I, I loved his delivery. So for the most part, the acting was great in this movie to me. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I thought everybody was pretty solid, The the, the wife to me was just whatever, like she wasn't great. Wasn't horrible. She was saying her lines. It's more just watching Ethan Hawk react to her and what she's saying mm-hmm. and the way he like goes crazy and starts cussing or the way he like says something funny or it's, it's really the Ethan Hawk show and she's just there to be, yeah. a, to be a talking point for him. So I really didn't care either way. You know, I, I never was like, I don't believe what she's saying or she's not going to really leave him. Like, I really didn't give a shit. I was just watching Ethan Hawke react to her talk. So it didn't matter to me. So, yeah, she was fine. Yeah. And then, the, then like you said, Greg, the sheriff is solid, you know, in the beginning and the end of this movie. Uh, but what you guys think of, of Deputy So-and-so? Like, I watched this movie and I kept thinking of Greg because Greg, not, not like you, that's you, Greg, but there were certain scenes between him and Ethan Hawke that were comedic. And mm-hmm. I, I know calling back to when, when we watched the Halloween movies, some of those scenes didn't work for you because you didn't like that 
comedic approach in the way they were talking. And I didn't know if this was going to work for you. Some of these lines they were saying to each other. So what did you think of his character and that whole thing? That That's a great observation. I was on the fence about him. He kind of reminded me of Deputy Dewey from Scream <laughs> a little bit. He was kind of dopey. Yeah. I, I didn't like that he carried that throughout the entire movie. There were moments, I love the moment where you realize that he actually has some forensic science experience under his belt and he kind of spews some legit facts about what he's noticed around the house, which that was cool. But for the most part, he's like the, the dopiness of him and the starstruck, you know, oh my God, I'm like, like when I think of this, when I think of Ethan Hawke's character, I think of like Stephen King. He's a celebrity writer that everybody knows when he comes into town, he's a big deal, mm-hmm. right? So then the cops obviously are... You know, maybe one is not not for him because he's working on a cold case that's currently trying to get, you know, they're trying to get over it. But then you have a young guy who's who, who wants his autograph and such. And I thought that I would say 80 percent of the time it worked for me. But then 20 percent of the time, his goofy demeanor bugged me. Like specifically, I wanted to ask you about the scene where after Ethan Hawke hears noises up in his uh, attic and then the deputy is talking to him about a snake and a oh. scorpion. And, and and he's and he's like, oh, you heard footsteps. And he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't say I heard footsteps. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, but I saw a snake. And he's like, well, snakes don't have feet. So, and then he says like, well, I heard a scorpion. He's like, well, scorpions have feet, but they're not that big. And I was, I thought of you in that scene because I'm like, is this going to work for Greg or not? They were clearly trying to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I chuckled a bit. I chuckled a bit, but I just didn't know if you like threw up your hands and you were just like, fuck this shit. <laughs> I wasn't in outrage because you could tell that he that he was being told to, to to be funny and he did his best and I thought he did a pretty good job. But it was clear like they were trying to throw some some humor into it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Laura? Did that character work? Do you think it was funny? Do you think it was just dumb? I thought it was dumb, but the thing is is that the character evolves. He's only really funny in the beginning. And mm-hmm. then he becomes like an essential character that is either helping Ethan Hawke through his like you know, he's going crazy and really scared and he's kind of telling him how it is. Or he's the one giving, you know, the most important information at the end of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the character overall, I think, was needed. But yeah, like that scene that you pointed out when they were trying to figure out what was in the attic. It's like, what is this? This is so dumb. <laughs> I did. I did like the when his phone, when Ethan Hawke's phone rings for the first time and the caller ID says deputy so-and-so. I thought mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a pretty funny touch. You know what I mean? I, thought I didn't pretty- even notice that. Yeah. yeah. Really? <laughs> That's Aww. funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he never. We, do we ever find out his name? I don't think we do. No. Do we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laura. Laura literally put it in the show notes. That was his name, Deputy So and So. Yeah. So. That's nice. how he's casted. Yeah. That's how he's like he's credited wow. in the movie. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he he calls his parents. He's like, I made it, mom. He's like, What's your name in the movie, Deputy So and So? Like, oh wow. <laughs> Keep trying, son. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, let's get into like the big stuff I want to talk to in this, you know, this pod now in this movie. It's to me, really, this movie, I was very surprised. This movie almost had a two prong approach to me. I feel like the first kind of half of this movie ish is more like a thriller whodunit. Like you're trying, you feel like you're you're with Ethan Hawke. And as much as you don't really like his character, you want to know like what happened, like who did Mm -hmm. it, who killed this family. You know, still mm-hmm. kind of not knowing like ghost stuff. But then the second half of this movie, you're into like the haunting and this demon and this and that. But what did you guys think of like the first, uh, you know, first maybe half, maybe third of this movie 
more of like the whodunit feel of it, you know, the home movies, like that whole aspect of it. I love that. I yeah, love thrillers. Too. That's that's like my favorite, one of my favorite subgenres of of horror, just any type of film, honestly, um, especially psychological thrillers. So I I love that, like that whodunit and the the film. I mean, this is one of those situations where a movie for me is so disturbing. And so, like, I don't want to watch it again, yeah. but that actually means it was probably pretty good because it made me feel all of these <laughs> crazy feelings. Mm -hmm. So I thought, yeah, I thought the, the, what is it? The Super 88, what is it called? Super 8. Mm -hmm. Super 8. Yeah. Like that was just, oh, it was just so creepy and it really added to the effect. And yeah, I just, oh. It freaked me out so much. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, you know, going back to what we talked about at the beginning of like this being rated as like the number one scariest movie on this scientific study that was done. It has to be this eight millimeter film. It has to mm. be. They show it so many times in this movie and it's so unnerving. And yeah. just the way it's shot, the sound effects it's using, the imagery, like all of it together, like that eight millimeter film stuff, like I think it is to me is the most scariest and nervous stuff in this movie you know i'd rather watch yeah. i'd rather watch the little creepy ghosts run around a dark hallway all night than this freaking film you know mm. and, and i feel like that's why and i don't know if it has to do with the fact of like because the way like i said the way i see this movie is like the first half ish is like a thriller whodunit so you're almost kind of thinking like is this just a serial killer which yeah. which to me it puts it very real world a very real feel so when you watch these eight millimeter films, it's like you're watching a real snuff film. And so it's so real and so like, oh, my God, this is just home invasion. Like, this is real. And so, like, it gets you really, really personally. And then the second half of this movie, you know, it's more like haunting and you realize that. So it kind of loses a little effect because it's not as realistic to me. But I, mm -hmm. I think that's why this movie is rated number one and why people's heart rates. It has to be like that real world, like killer thing going on in these films to me. I really agree with everything you just said. The only thing, though, is that when you do get to the haunting, I think that Bagul is like the scariest villain I have ever fucking seen in any movie, even more than Babadook. Really? Yeah. He is. Wow. I don't. What whatever he is, that is what freaks me out the most. But he like, but he, but his character in this movie, this like, he really doesn't do anything. It's the way he looks. Oh, you're talking about just visually. Visually. I mean, to me, to me, he just likes. He looks like John Wick in a mask. So I wasn't that scared. <laughs> oh, he kind of looks like like the fifth member of Kiss that was never let in. Yeah. And, you know, he's got like, what is it? His, his mouth is taped up or something. Yeah. What about it? He's got like, uh, and makeup over his eyes. What about that is, is scary to you? I don't know. There's something about the combination of it all. I mean, he, just, he really is the basis from Slipknot. That's who he really is. I mean, yes. he's, that's, that's who he actually is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like that exact face. But what do you think? Greg? I don't know. It, it worked for me. Yeah. What do you think, Greg? What do you think about the whole like thriller part of this movie and then like the eight millimeter film and a little bit of what Laura talked about, you know? Yeah, I'm with I'm with you, Rob. It's interesting. The first part, I, I love to see these like detective movies or I get what you called it, a whodunit, where someone's trying to figure out what's going on and, and getting to the bottom of the mystery is essentially the core goal of the movie. And then about halfway through, it switches when you find out there's like a supernatural element to it. And and, and 
I can I applaud the movie for adding in so many different aspects, but at the same time, it it's kind of confusing. Hmm. Um, and making it seem like it was a serial serial killer was probably the scariest thing. You're watching this old film, and it just looks so real because it's old. And when something is old, you get this sense of it not being editable. It doesn't look polished. It just looks like someone uncovered some film and looked like Ethan Hawke's character and just started like playing it. Um, so it just, it seemed real and you're there watching it. So I, I liked the first half of the movie in, and it was definitely the, the scariest things. And um, I don't know. I think if there's one thing about this movie that anybody will ever take away and maybe attribute to why it's considered the scariest movie. It's the Super 8 film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask you guys, have you guys ever actually watched a Super 8 anything, like from your grandparents or your parents? Yeah. You have, yeah. Laura? Oh, yeah. Really? I don't... I My don't... grandparents had so many of... Yeah, oh, yeah. Really? It was to watch them all the time. It was you guys just playing by a creek and playing in your car? It or... wasn't me. It was like my <laughs> my dad, like oh, as a kid. as a kid? Playing, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is, we're talking real old time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He's a, he's a listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout, shout out to yeah, Papa Laura. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> Papa Laura. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, like I said, I, I don't think I've ever actually watched one in person. And like, I feel like now if I ever saw one, I would just be like, grandpa, turn that shit off. We're not watching this, grandpa. Like, I'm not going to watch that and be like, just in case, like some kind of ghoul comes popping out or something like that. Like, it just seems so eerie now. You know, it's just so crazy. What about you? And it's the subject matter. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, like every time he watches a new movie, it gets worse and worse. It's like more disturbing. I mean, I thought just like that. And it's true. That's what like what you were saying, Greg. I only saw this movie one other time before this rewatch. And it was probably pretty much right when it came out. So it's been a really long time. And that's what I remember. Like I I was just waiting for those those video scenes of people being murdered and like the the lawnmower for some reason. Mm. That's that one. I was going to ask you guys if any one of the I think it's five, right? If any one of the five like got to you more than the other ones. I mean, they're all bad, but you know what I mean? I think pool and lawnmower are the like top ones for me. Why did the pool one though? Because why did that one get to you? I don't know. I, I think it's because we, yeah, we saw their legs like flailing around hmm. and they were getting in the water. Really? And then also that's where you see Bagul like in the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Boogie. Yeah. A ghoul in the pool. A ghoul in the pool. Doctor Seuss book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what about what about what about you, Greg? Did any of the any of the one of the films that get you more than the other ones? It's the it's the lawnmower. The scene, lawnmower man. one. Yeah. So first of all, the the thing that's really scary about each of them is, is that you start off the video actually showing a, a nice, yeah. gentle home video of, of a family doing something together whether they're out playing in the yard whether they're out swimming they're doing something fun and then it immediately cuts to nighttime where they've been found and they're being tortured or, or killed in some way and it, it's just that juxtaposition is the scariest thing because you go from nice kind family memory to them being murdered on film it's mm-hmm. ugh, 
It really gets me. And that, that lawnmower one was the worst. It was so the each worst. Of, each of the videos, they have a title to them, which makes it seem very innocuous. <laughs> like, <laughs> if it were actually a family <laughs> gathering mm-hmm. or event, it would actually make sense, right? Barbecue, 79, um, pool party, lawn work, sleepy time. So, each of these titles could actually pertain to, like, a family video of them doing something but then it's clearly like a backhanded title to them being murdered in those ways so mm-hmm. the lawnmower one was the worst just the way it was shot everything is dark and you have the camera looking straight down at the top of the lawnmower and it's got this orangish flashlight uh, like dim light on the top of the lawnmower mm-hmm. and you're watching the lawnmower just go through the lawn you don't know what's going on and then just out of nowhere you see it run over somebody and it the sound this, it shrieks yeah. and screams. I like yeah. jumped out of my seat and it was just it was disturbing and shocking and surprising at the same time. That that was the number one scene for me. Yeah, I mean definitely the imagery is so fucked up in these eight millimeter yeah. films, but also the sounds. The sounds yeah. they're using, like each film had like its own separate like tones music whatever you want to call it that they would use one of them was like it sounded like a little girl counting numbers for some reason and you know there was really just, yeah it would be like she'd be like six seven eight like counting in one of them and yeah the, the lawnmower one though yeah when they show the lawnmower it just makes like a like a screaming sound and it really that's actually the one where they show the least amount of stuff going on in that one actually that one just cuts to ethan hawk like jumping out of a chair you know yeah but i wanted to ask you guys like so i I, like had this like theory i wrote down about like these these five like murders in this movie because i thought it was interesting especially going back to like the ghoul being like a you know whatever he is like not really a demon he's like a pagan interdimensional like being or something like that you know blah blah, whatever you know but i thought it was interesting like each murder i i wrote down i related them all to elements so like the lawnmower you have earth the Whoa. the tree the tree hanging you have wind the car yeah. you have fire the pool you have water but the only one i couldn't figure out was the throat cutting scene in the family the only other element is space and i just couldn't i couldn't like associate that one to being the fifth element so i didn't know but i thought it was interesting the other four were clearly elements you know mm. what i mean other than there's like one scene where ethan hawk is talking to the deputy so and so and he makes the comment about like it's getting in your headspace, and on Ethan Hawke's computer screen is space, and in when when the one of the sons has his like night terror, he's like look up at the stars. Like they mention space a couple times in this movie, and so I don't know. I don't know if the Fifth Element has something to do with space or not, or literally cutting somebody's head off is taking off their headspace. I don't. I, I don't know. But it was. I just thought it was interesting Damn. that that the, that those. I didn't ones, even notice that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that those ones were like very elemental to me. You know. Um, yeah. What about it in Captain Planet? Isn't heart one of the elements? What if like the throat cutting was because your heart needs blood, and they were cutting them? Their she was slicing their necks, and they, their heart needs blood. I like that. that. I like that. Oh wow! No, <laughs> the pagan Captain America, Captain Planet, Greg, not Captain America. Come on. Mm-hmm. Oh, come on, Greg. Captain Planet. Don't do that to Chris Evans. Come I on. didn't mean to say him pick out. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, That's crazy. let's get to like, then I guess to me, what would be like the second half of this movie is more like the hauntings, the ghost kids, like, to, you know, what do you guys think of like that aspect, like transitioning from kind of like a whodunit to like, you kind of know what's going on, but it's more like creepy noises. What do you guys think of that aspect, uh, Greg? 
Um, I was okay with it. I, I'm, you know, I'm watching this and I'm pretty much along for the ride. There are a few scenes where what happens is his house is on a almost nightly basis, the lights shut off and they lose power and he has to go and investigate where these noises are coming from. And he continually gets haunted in these small ways by some type of beings. He sees things outside. He, he finds a snake. In one scene, he finds a scorpion in another scene, and then he finds a dog in another scene. So, gradually, he's realizing that, okay, this is not just uh, a typical cold case that he's used to before. This is something big. And he's clearly keeping the evidence from the police because he thinks that, look, if he can crack this, this will make him big. This is what's going to boost, allow him to move with his family back to their old house. He can make tons of money. So what happens is, yeah, so he's like experiencing all these supernatural elements to it. Um, and it just gets to a point where, you know, you you kind of get angry at him for not bailing sooner. Because, I mean, I would have been day one. I'm out of here, guys. Yeah. Like it, when he starts walking around the house with his, you know, and then he finally picks up a knife. He starts walking around the house looking for where the sound is coming from. Weren't you guys like, okay, bro, go to your family, get them out of the house. Yes. Oh right? my God. He never, he like checks on his family last. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what do you think? I'll tell you the story right now. Like since I watched this movie, uh, it's been a couple days now. Like I've been hearing things in my like, apartment now, of course, oh, you know, no. like, like I, like I sort of got all here, like knocking on like a wall and I'll be like, that's, I'm like, it doesn't sound like a knocking at the door. Like it's at a, it's on a wall. Or like literally it was like two nights ago and like, you know, we have like our living room and like, so the dining room is just maybe like 10 feet away. And it literally sounded like somebody was rustling around like on the tabletop, like somebody was rustling around on papers and me and my wife are sitting here like, what is that? And so like in Ethan Hawke's defense, my first thing is to go see what's going on. So like I would go to the table and be like, what is here? Because I think when you're in that mindset, as much as you looking back or retrospect you would say like why are you going there just get away your first thought is is not it's the worst thing ever your first thought is it's something generic and you want to just go see it's something regular oh. yeah you know what i mean so you want to dispel the mystery yeah. you want to yeah. assure yourself that it's not yeah it's a demon <laughs> it's, not, right? it's not like it's right. not, yeah it's not like bagul sitting on my kitchen counter you know what i mean you know what i mean right. so like so like and like hello <laughs> yeah i know yeah he's like bagul here <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's not he's not he's not over there so so it's it's weird like you know like i feel like i i've done this multiple times but i feel like it's that's never my mindset i'm not just gonna run out my front door you know and be like oh my god there's a demon in my kitchen <laughs> you know what i mean it's like so like in in ethan Hawke's defense in this movie like he hears noises like i wouldn't think it was something crazy especially he says in this movie he doesn't believe in this stuff so he's just you're right he has no reason to you're right he has no reason to think that that's true yeah i mean not not checking on his kids first that's a different story i probably would have done that but but clearly from the beginning i don't know if he really cares that much about them he's probably going to check make sure nobody stole his books in his library you know Aww, but, uh, oh yeah man. yeah <laughs> yeah but but yeah you can keep did you want to keep going greg Jim, more you want to say about the haunting stuff well the only yeah the only thing that really happens after that is once he starts to believe that something beyond the normal is going on, he enlists the help of uh, Sergeant, whatever, Deputy So-and-so. And Deputy So-and-so, I, I feel like an idiot calling him that, but that's what he's called. He gives him a tip to, to call up this 
doctor or some type of scholar who knows about demonology. And that, that part really kind of flailed for me, but he basically winds up telling him that you're probably being haunted by some demon. So that gives him the hint that, you know, maybe you should get out of there. It's like, have you checked your kitchen counter? Don't go over there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Laura? What did you think of like the whole haunting, like kind of second half of this movie a bit? Yeah, it's really interesting. Greg, I actually think you kind of nailed it. Like they do a lot of everything in this movie, which can kind of get confusing because I feel like it's not all the same track. So I think we all agree, like the thriller whodunit aspect was really scary and crazy. And then you get into the haunting. And I mean, it does work for me, like I've already said, because I just think the look of Bagul or Mr. Boogie, whatever, is so horrifying. Like, I do think he's scary. I do think little kids can be really scary. But yeah, the haunting stuff in itself didn't actually scare me. I didn't jump. Hmm. to any any of the haunting stuff in fact the scenes i jumped most at were always of the sun having his night terrors oh my god it's the the worst it's the worst like the the first one where he comes out of the when he comes out of the box yeah i literally was like oh he's ethan hawk is dreaming this isn't real (laughs) yeah and then it just kept going and i was like oh my god and then i realized it's his son what the fuck if my daughter did that i'd be like bye <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you mean like you, you you don't get to live here anymore like i literally out of a cardboard think box you like are that not human anymore yeah. but the scene that really got me is when he thinks he sees bagul like it like in his backyard at night and it's mm-hmm. the sun in the bushes mm-hmm. in the bushes shivering <laughs> i fucking jumped <laughs> 10 feet off my couch <laughs> for that scene yeah i mean that's what got yeah, me yeah i mean as, <laughs> as much as like the the eight millimeter the you know the super eight stuff and this like it's so unnerving and fucked up yeah the the sun's supposed night terrors which i'm like come on now like like i think i had night terrors when i was a child and i wasn't like possessed throughout, throughout <laughs> my life you know what i mean but yeah when he comes out of that box like i mean uh, oh. one thing right away this puts a whole another thing to like what's in the box you know like <laughs> like 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 i Trevor. Yeah, like i wish it was gwyneth paltrow's head i i wish it was that you know not this fucking kid and the way he comes out like he couldn't just popped out normal like a jack-in-the-box he had to come out like reverse like Ugh. like contorting his body like a fucking little monster you know what i mean <laughs> i was just like what like why and then and then to add on top of it like i keep talking the other thing i've talked about before is just the sounds they use in this movie where it's like uh. it's like the kids screaming but it's amplified by so much that it's just so like so loud it's like oh my god but but i'm the same as you laura i would have just been like you're going to adoption kid like you're not my son anymore <laughs> you're done boy <laughs> you're done kid you get, you get out of here you know um yeah but, yeah but he's definitely gets me the two the box one, i think got me more than the bushes the bushes was more of i was more like what the fuck you know Horrifying. but wait rob didn't you when you were younger and you did the sleepwalking stuff didn't you wind up outside sometimes? yeah but i was just standing there i wasn't like hiding in a bush <laughs> or in a box you know what i mean i was just like, you definitely were like coming out backwards yeah never been that limber in all my life <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe none of the haunting stuff really got you, Laura. Like some of the haunting stuff really jump scared the shit out of me. Like, like definitely, you know, like I said, Ethan Hawk definitely is hearing noises through this. So you don't really see anything. You only hear noises. 
Mm-hmm. The first image you see, is, I believe when he's standing in a dark hallway and then the little girl, her face just comes from the darkness and it's all like yeah. crackled and this and that, you know, like that was a pretty good jump scare. Like I actually was like, whoa, because it, I mean, any, anything that comes out of like nowhere is always going to be a good jump scare. So that mm-hmm. one actually got me pretty well. Um, I think one of the other ones that got me were the ones where, I mean, I mean, we haven't really got into like directing in this, but there's a really such a cool shot when Ethan Hawke is watching the video, uh, Super 8 film on his laptop computer. And the Bagul guy is like kind of like a side profile on his computer screen. And then Ethan Hawke looks away and then the Bagul's face on the computer moves and looks towards him. That was another one that like got to me. Like it's not a close up, but it's like, holy shit, you know, like that's a cool jump scare. And then, of course, you have the one right before he goes outside and finds his dumb son in the bushes when he's (sighs) holding up the he's like holding up a picture against a window trying to like find out where and where in the bush Bagul was standing and then he puts the picture down and like the Bagul's face is like there right in front of him like those ones are just like I mean whether you want to call it cheap jump scares I don't really give a shit it fucking gets me every fucking time so like and it's always accompanied with some random super loud noise that is just like holy (laughs) shit so I'm surprised none of those ones got you Laura none of those like ones got you they did, but I think the jump scares with the sun were were more for some reason. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean the one with the girl when she popped up like kind of by his face, I definitely I think I jumped a little bit, but then she like hovered and yeah. she was very close. Yeah, yeah. And I just started laughing. I was like, Oh my god, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> you thought she was gonna kiss his cheek or something? I just it was like this is too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is awkward, like go away Mm. what about you greg did any of the haunting ones like really get you no the ones that you referred to we actually we look at each other we expected those the ones Mm. where there was the one where ethan hawk kind of faded out to the left and there was this big void of darkness to us it was obvious that something was going to pop up there so when we when she popped up it was definitely jarring that's for sure but you kind of expected it and then the one where he's holding up the photo to the window to see where uh mr boogie was and then when the moment that he's about to pull it down, you know that something's mm. going to be back there. So we really didn't get shocked by those, but there were a lot of other ones that, uh, that, that did get us that, that laptop one was good. I think they actually do a really good job though with, with the jump scares. They definitely, it, it's the, when it happens, you, you go, ah, and then you immediately roll your eyes because you realize how ridiculous it was. Mm, it, it's yeah. that type of jump scare, mm-hmm. which you go, okay, it was effective, but, yeah, I, I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like I said, people, you know, because we'll, we'll do Rotten Tomatoes real quickly because that's one of the big negatives of people that don't like this movie is they call them cheap jump scares. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, they're like they're just they're not like planned out. Well, it's not like part of the storyline. It's just like a way to scare you from a noise or scare you from the dark. You know what I mean? Like, like it really doesn't add anything to the movie. It's just like, I'm going to scare you. Boo. You know what I mean? Um, So the Rotten Tomatoes for this movie, the critics are 63 percent. Which these these seem very low to me for being the number one rated science, you know, the number one scariest movie of all time right now. Um, six to so critic is 63 percent audience score, 61 percent. So you're talking, you know, a little bit over a 50 50 shot, you know. Um, so I was just I was surprised that it was that low. I thought, you know, hearing that, you know, like Laura said, like this movie is like really scary. And then knowing this, this, you know, journal just came out and rated it number one. I expected the movie to have higher ratings, 
especially knowing that this one over Conjuring and uh, these other ones, which I know were rated up in the 80s of like really scary like movies themselves. Um, yeah. So I was kind of surprised about that, you know, but uh, but there is one scene in this movie that I kind of like laughed about, you know, it's supposed to be creepy, but I was actually kind of chuckling a bit. And it's a scene later on in this movie when all the all the ghost kids are like behind Ethan Hawke in a hallway and they're kind of like running and, you know, like dodging room to room. <laughs> and it, for some reason, my mind automatically thinks of like they're playing like red light, green light. Like they would like <laughs> they would run towards him and, yeah. then, and then stop and then like pop in her room. And then another one would like kind of pop out. And I was just like, it, it was like comedic to me. I was like, this isn't creepy. Mm-hmm. This is like these kids are playing. It was so weird. That was the only one where I'm like, I really didn't work for me, you know? This is that's the one where Laura, when we when we started this po- this episode, that's the scene that I was thinking that would have lost Rob hmm. because hmm. It, it it was lost on me too. And I know that Rob, you always talk about less is more mm-hmm. when yeah. you are when you see a little bit less and the threat is hidden from you, right. it creeps you up more. This was one of the scenes where I am definitely on that ship where. They showed a lot and they there wasn't a lot of payoff. It's not like the kids were actually trying to kill him. They were just floating in the background, playing hide and seek around the corners, and they didn't really pose much of a threat. And you just see them running. You're right. It does look like a kid's game, mm-hmm. but you didn't fear for him at all. And it was like too, they showed too much to me in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of the one scene? There's like one other ghost scene I can think about that's... Uh, the, there's a scene where he falls through the attic uh, floor, and, oh, yeah. and and I guess he, at the time he had his uh, phone on because he was using it for light. And then they don't really say how he did this or not, but at some point it, I guess it was recording, and so he's watching it back on his laptop, and he's doing it in slow, not slow motion, but frame by frame. And there's like a frame, and you can see like the kids' hands all like grabbing him. That was cool. Mm, did that one? Right. Was that one? Did that one get you though? Was that one like creepy and eerie, or it was just cool? I thought it was just cool. Right. I was saying the first thing I thought was, "Whoa, that's cool." Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like a cool touch, like a cool way to do yeah, that. Yeah, because it explained it explained a situation that happened. Like mm-hmm. when you just see kids' hands, it's it, it, they pulled him through the ceiling. They didn't hurt him in any way mm-hmm. i mean yeah he probably hurt himself falling but they didn't seem like much of a threat so it's not like do you guys remember in the conjuring where you revisit a scene and you find out that that ominous ghost was in the back the whole time yeah that was that's the right way to do retroactive scary mm-hmm. and i think this one when they showed the kid's hands pulling him it was more of like oh that explains how he fell through the ceiling it didn't really add to the terror it's just it, it was it's cool. It's a cool effect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, let's get into a little bit. I've been talking about it a lot in this pod is like the sounds, the music, whatever you want to call it. Like, let's talk a little bit about sound music, like directing, if you want to shout out anything like that. Uh, Laura, do you want to talk a little bit about anything? I think the music and sounds were amazing because they were so fucking creepy. I mean, I, I at one point was so into the movie and I had to stop it just to be like, wow, the sounds are incredible. And I, I feel like Greg's going to have a much better way of explaining it because you're more musical than I am. But yeah, I just think, oh, it was so good and bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Greg? Yeah, I I don't think I have a very good way of explaining because I'm not a sound engineer, but whoever was the guy behind the sound effects and there really wasn't much music in this movie. That's, that's for sure. It's just creepy, eerie and ominous tones. Mm -hmm. And 
Laura, I, I'm so with you. I actually mark because I have it on. I got it on YouTube, right? I marked the the timestamp on these specific moments where the sound was scary, and I just kind of want to put them back to you guys, just so you can get refreshed, like on on what it sounds like, because I I loved it, and it to me it speaks to why this movie was maybe rated so high on the 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 BPM scale that this that the study was looking at why it keeps people on edge and a, a huge part is the sound so on the second film there was there's one instance where you almost hear a record player playing in reverse and anytime yeah. we talk yeah. about that in triangle anytime you have a record player playing that just creeps the shit out of me and there was one where they play when he discovers that they just got to get the fuck out of the house yeah they they play this music where there's um there's like a a beat where there's like a clapping drum beat. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually really like that one though. <laughs> I yeah. do too, but that's that's the exact point where I was like, oh my god, mm. this has like been too much. This music and the sounds, yeah. There there's something about it. It 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 was very reminiscent of Midsummer Somar where where you mm. have this really eerie, ominous background tone that just unnerves you. And then you have that constant beat and that vibration that just adds to the tension. And they did it all throughout the movie. And it was just so brilliant to me. I, that was probably one of my favorite things about this entire movie was just the sound effects. Damn. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I agree. They're, they're so good in this movie. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, like, I'll, I'm definitely going to shout out some of the directing in this movie because it's such a well-directed movie, whether it's like the framing, you know, or the light. I don't know if lighting really goes into directing, but... I mean, there's so many cool shots in this movie. One of the ones I really made note of, because I thought it was like a really cool, other than like the the computer screen where Bagul's face turns, that was just like, wow, what a fucking cool idea. Or even like you guys are talking about the little spirit hands on the, on Ethan Hawke and, you know, spirit, yeah, spirit fingers on him, you know, are like pretty cool. But there's one scene that I, I, I really liked, and I know it's a fucked up scene, but w- when he's going through all the Super 8 films, you have the one family that's getting their throat slit. And instead of oh, instead of showing them actually the knife cutting their throats, the camera is showing the reflection off Ethan Hawke's glasses. Mm-hmm. And that's how you see it. And I thought, like, that's just such a cool shot of, like, not showing you exactly what's going on, but, like, you see enough. And then also mm-hmm. at the same time, you're seeing a little bit of Ethan Hawke's face. And I thought, like, that one moment just alone was just such a great directed shot and a great choice in that moment um i mean other than that the other the other one i really thought was kind of cool was when the little spooky kids are playing the projector in the attic and ethan hawk is like looking at the attic door and all you see is the light coming down from the attic and it's like illuminating the stairs mm-hmm. and i thought that's just that framing of that shot was actually really cool you know i mean at the time i didn't really know that these kids were actually evil you know, so so I, I kind of thought maybe it had something to do with like heaven, like they're going to help you like go up there. It's like leading you to stairway. But no, oh. no, it's not. You know, no, <laughs> it's not. But uh, but I really just like like that framing and that shot, you know. Um, so I definitely would shout out, you know, like I said, Scott Derrickson, he's a great director. It makes sense why he ended up getting Doctor Strange and why he's getting Labyrinth in a couple of years. I mean, just the guy is like visually a cool idea maker for a director. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's time to get to ending then, you know? I think it's time to get to ending, you know? I don't know if, Laura, you're going to talk about your... Oh, that's right. Um, well, yeah. So what I wanted to tell you guys, I didn't include this in my opening fun facts, but 
I was reading a little bit about how they came up with Bagul. And I guess the the two writers, uh, they had been doing a bunch of Google searches and like found these images that kind of looked like him. And just there's something about it that was really unnerving. So they were like, this is going to be our image. And their initial idea was to have him not only be possessing the kids as he does and kind of like Greg said, being the backseat driver, so to speak, while they kind of do his dirty work, they were going to make him sexualize the kids. What do you mean? And like, so the kids would, or like the kids would find him like, how do I phrase this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it, it was almost going to be like they said a scary, sexy Willy Wonka to where <laughs> kids were just like drawn to him. Like, ooh. What? And I guess uh, that the, idea the, got thrown out the window yeah. real quick because yeah, they so. were like, yeah. that is so fucked up. Mm-hmm. But like, ha- don't we have enough with this movie? Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as if it needs another mm-hmm. level. Like right? element? Yeah. yeah. I just thought that was so messed up and I can't get, I can't like get over that yeah. fact. It freaks me out. That's like uh, that's really creepy. I don't even know. I don't even know what you would do because like it, you're, it would still be children though. Yeah. So like you couldn't go. He'd be like, "Come, little children," and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, Mister Boogie." Like oh, no. Oh, oh my God, Laura, no, that's creepy. Let's don't do that. <laughs> no, I. That's what the idea was. I'm just reiterating it. <laughs> oh. Oh wow. I don't think I like yeah. that. Yeah. Mr. Bookie's like pantsless. Like he's he has pants on this movie. <laughs> I was like, what's happening here? You know, it's so bizarre. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they didn't go with the creepy, sexy Willy Wonka or whatever you described it. As, you yeah. Know? <laughs> oh man, Ugh, that's funny. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So who wants to set up the ending? You know, not sexual ending. Who wants to set up the ending of this movie? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Essentially, what happens is at some point, Ellison realizes he's dealing with a supernatural being. It's not a serial killer that's been killing these families. It's it's some type of uh, you know demon, you know, because he's he's seeing ghosts in the attic, um, and he's experiencing paranormal activities around his house. So what he does is, the moment that he realizes that this has gone way too far, he packs up all of the film and all of the projector equipment. He throws it in a box, tosses it into a barbecue pit in the backyard and sets fire to the whole thing. And without even packing up his stuff, he tells his family, we got to go. So they leave that night and they, they drive away from the home and they they essentially go directly to their, their previous home. Mm-hmm. The next scene, you, you find out that they're back at their old home. They're out of that whole scary situation, you know, and then... He goes up to his attic as they're unpacking at their old house. And what do you know? He sees that same box just sitting at the top of his attic. How the heck did it get there? So clearly the supernatural force has followed them to the house. And this is at the end of the movie. He's in his uh, like study area trying to figure out you know what's going on. Because he opens up the box and he finds some extra film and he starts to piece it together. And this is something that he's learned throughout the movies, how to piece super eight film together. And he's trying to put it on the spool and reel it up so he can watch where this extra film is because uh, it's, it's different from the original reels that he was watching as he's doing this deputy. So-and-so gives him a phone call and he essentially explains that in his side investigate uh, investigation, 
he determined that all of these killings were actually linked. So they were trying to figure out who's filming these murders and how have they happened over the span of 50 something years. Because if the, the, the first murderer was around in the with the first family, he would have been super old and he wouldn't have the strength to overpower this family. So how is it the same killer this entire time? And what the deputy found out is each one of these families lived in the home where a previous family was killed. And the way the history worked out is when the family got spooked and they moved to a new home, they were suddenly killed in a brutal way. And then another family moved into that home. And essentially, it's like a chain reaction of, of, of murders that's connecting these families over the span of several decades. And by moving out of this house, Ellison and his family, he's essentially triggered a new killing at his home now. And that's when, you know, he kind of he hangs up with the deputy and he starts to feel woozy and he looks down at his cup and he realizes that there's a little bit of poison in his cup and he falls, you know, he falls asleep or he gets knocked out and then he wakes up and he's bound and tied like all the other families that he had seen in those uh, Super 8 films. And the one that's the killer is his daughter. His daughter is is wielding an axe, and she, clearly she's possessed by Bugu, <laughs> Mr. Bugu. Bagul. <laughs> Bagul. He's, she's possessed by Bagul. And this is where all the pieces come together. The one filming each one of those films is not Mr. Bagul. He's essentially standing on the side, guiding the missing child to kill the family. And this is part of the lore that the demonologist explains. What Bagul is is some type of demon who preys on children. and mm-hmm. he chooses one and he devours them or whatever and he kills the rest of the family i'm not sure how that works out but yeah this is essentially how how the movie ends and there are some very interesting aspects to the scene earlier in the movie i thought it was pretty clever the mom shows tracy shows her daughter how to make coffee for ellison this is how you make your dad's coffee this is how he likes it and he he's drinking the coffee every time he's like looking at the film trying to solve the case and at the very end of the movie she makes the cup of coffee for him and she poisons him mm-hmm. and she gets possessed and kills him and then you see after she kills her mom her dad and her brother her brother ended up being mm-hmm. you know he was the weirdo of the whole of the bunch and he ended up being a victim mm-hmm. after killing them you see Bugu pick her up and take her into the the projector screen and now he's got a collection of children that I don't know who knows what he's going to do eat them I don't know. Yeah. Some. But that's, that's the end of the movie. And she says something. What, what is the line that she says? She goes, Daddy, I will make you famous mm-hmm. or I'll make you famous again. I'll make yeah. You famous, yeah. Because that was that was his objective. The entire mm-hmm. movie was to to get back to his past glory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think, Laura? What do you think of this ending? Do you like it? What do you think about all that stuff? The ending is weird because I I like it in theory. I really do. I think that it comes together in the way that it should and i think i've said this before sometimes we like it when horror movies don't end well right quote unquote well it's like it's kind of nice to have like a not happy ending or a messed up ending and i think that it made sense in this way i mean ethan hawk did make some pretty bad choices through most of this movie so yeah like he ended up in that situation and that's what happened but and also I also think it was kind of predictable, though, in a way, because when he just moves, it it's almost like that was too easy. So you knew there was more coming. Mm-hmm. But 
even with all of those things, it doesn't make you feel good. You know, it might be a cool ending, but it doesn't make you feel good. So you're very conflicted because, okay, it was cool. I give it points for that. But, oh, it was just so fucked up. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you said, as much as it's like predictable a bit, you know, like, like definitely uh when he right when he burns the film and the fire like you know it's showing up wherever he's going like you know that <laughs> you know yeah. and, and that was the one thing where i was like that's definitely predictable i mean i mean the daughter being the killer at the end of the kids like i i wasn't like fully like oh my god this blew my mind i can't believe it but yeah i was i was kind of like oh okay cool like i i didn't really see it coming for a lot from a lot of this movie because for some reason, my like first half watching this movie, you know, when it's more of like a thriller haunting a bit. And like I mentioned before, you know, the scene where the kids are watching the the film and, and I thought it maybe had to do with like, you know, heaven. I, I thought this movie was very I thought the beginning was very reminiscent to. Have you guys seen Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. I thought maybe the first half of this film, these kids needed his help solving their murders. And so like that was my mindset for the first maybe half or so of this movie, maybe even three fourths, you know, because these kids never do anything to him. They're like playing in the right. background and they're playing tag and stuff. And so like they never do anything mean to him. So like that's what I thought. So like when the twist comes at the end where they say like, oh, the kids are the ones doing the killings. I was kind of surprised, you know, I, yeah. I wasn't super shocked, but I was like, oh, shit, like cool twist, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, does it land fully? It doesn't to me. It doesn't like fully land, though, still like as much as I'm like cool twist like you, Laura. I don't know. For some reason, it just doesn't have like that payoff of like what a great fucking ending. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, I'm like you. I'm kind of like, oh, cool. Like I didn't see that coming. And I'm like, wow, I'm glad you, you did something that's not in the norm. You know, having like a, a happy ending, but it still doesn't have like that payoff. I still want it. It feels like it's missing something. You're not like fist bumping, like yeah. fuck yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't You're know. Not. I don't know if that has to do with like the the journey you bid on, where it didn't set up something. You know, or or, or it's just the fact that just like you really don't care a lot for the character of Ethan Hawke, so you maybe. don't you don't really like feel for him. You feel bad for for the son. Well, maybe not the son. He's a weirdo. But the, the, the wife of it, you know, <laughs> you know, the wife of it. So I don't know. I feel like it is missing something, though. You know, you know what have been a really cool ending is what if his his daughter winds up being in the killer, but he's able to save the remaining five children. So it's like he accomplishes his mission by solving the cases, but at the expense of his family mm-hmm. and himself. Ooh. Yeah, that would have been an interesting alternate ending. I mean, yeah, in, in, in what they gave us was that everything goes to shit, everybody dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I mean, like I said, it's just something. It's interesting. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I really like the first half of this movie. I really like the Who Done It. I like the mystery. The Super Eight film was fucked up, but like I enjoyed watching it because like I want to know what's happening. And mm-hmm. then the second half of this movie, when it tells me what happens, I'm kind of like, oh, like cool i guess you know what i mean so it's kind of like you're talking about like it's two different movies that are kind of like battling each other and i don't know if the transition is good or it didn't work out well and the ending isn't kind of what i wanted but yeah it's just it's an interesting thing it's interesting i mean i understand like the ratings of this movie how they're in the 60s you know yeah i I know people most people that said this movie is very predictable that's why they didn't like it um some people were saying it's just cheap jump scares through the whole movie 
Um, some people <laughs> were pissed off. This movie was just too dark in general. Huh. Like there was no lights in this movie, and I guess that upset people. I don't. I don't really get. That. Oh, you mean not dark tones? No, you just, like you couldn't just, see. There's no light. Like literally, dark. <laughs> you know, people were just pissed off that nobody turned on lights in this movie. Or because it's interesting too, because there's certain scenes in this movie where you assume it's at night that's so dark, but then he'll go to like another room, and you're like, oh wait, it's daytime. So there's certain there's certain scenes where like wow you have a very dark house but that's that's one of the beauties of of the direction is when you see him walking through the house you never feel comfortable yeah I, I mean I was watching him going through the house and I was like imagining myself in his shoes and feeling so vulnerable to every single shadow that he couldn't he couldn't make out and you didn't know what was lurking there or what was going to come out after him because you didn't know anything about Bagul you didn't know anything about the kids or the lore. All you knew were these grim murders that had happened. So whenever he was walking through the house during the power outages, you need that shadow and you need that very little bit of light. I mean, there, there was light. There, there were scenes where, like I said, the, the breakfast scenes where they would congregate at the kitchen table or when the cops would come over the next day. I thought those were fair enough breaks in, in yeah. the darkness, yeah. but maybe not enough for some people. Yeah. yeah no, I, I agree. I mean, are there any... You know, I feel like we've been saying a lot of the positives. Are there any other positives you guys want to shout out uh, before we get into negatives? Is there anything else you want to say positive wise? I just want to say that I think this movie is very original. Hmm. It, it was nice at the time to see some, this story because I hadn't ever really seen anything like that before. Hmm. And kind of like you said, it was Rob, it was your first time watching and you didn't really see it coming. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I, I thought it was interesting nice. too. Like I, I had to look this up to make sure, but this came out one year before the conjuring mm. because it's just something like, like the opening scene in this movie when like the family's moving into the home oh, and the camera yeah. does the typical, like following them in and they're going through the rooms, very, very opening of conjuring. So I was wow. trying, I was trying to see which one came first and this was actually a year before the conjuring. So Mm. I mean, you know, maybe shout out to James Wan. Maybe he watched this movie. I don't know. But uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But what about you, Greg? Do you have any other positives you want to shout out before we get into negatives? Yeah, two things. One was a scene that really, really scared me. And it was the pool scene. And the only reason why it was so scary to me is because that pool and that layout of that pool looks exactly like my grandma's pool <laughs> growing up. And it was the same. I, I don't know if it was just those type. That layout was very common back in the day. Mm -hmm. But as they were panning around the pool, the slide was where my grandma's slide would be. The diving board was where the diving board would be. The curvature of the pool and the deep and shallow end was exactly how my grandma's pool is. The one that we would like learn how to swim in and play in growing up. So watching that video on that Super 8 film, it it was so haunting to me because it felt like I was watching a memory yet. Yeah. Uh, it was like watching a memory, but it was demented <laughs> because it had these brutal killings where they were dragging people into the water and killing them. Mm -hmm. So that one really got to me. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, a unique aspect of the movie, but the only other thing that I really have to say positively about the movie is I loved the screenplay between the characters. I, mm -hmm. I loved, I know that we didn't really like Ethan Hawke's character, but, I really bought into his struggles. Yeah. They show a lot about what he's having to deal with. He had some success as a writer 15, 20 years ago, and his kids are fairly young, right? So what you see is while he's falling asleep in his chair in his study room, 
he's watching these re- old replays of when he's on TV doing these interviews with people. And sometimes you you hear him give you you, you understand he's single at the time of his success. They go, oh, are you, are you, do you ever look at yourself to be a family man in the future? He goes, no, I'm a career man. But, you know, you never know. Sometimes you meet the right person. I've got friends who have kids and that it looks so joyful to have. So you can tell that you know what kind of person he is. He's dedicated to his craft. He's dedicated to his career before he even had a family. And now you see that he has not been successful in the recent years and he has to manage and provide for his family and he's just not cutting it. It in a lot of ways it reminds me of the shining and how Jack was mm-hmm. struggling to to provide mm. for his family as a yeah. creative person and just not having that and, and having the struggle between having a career and there was that line where he said, This is what gives me purpose. This is what gives me meaning. This is my legacy. And his wife looks at him as if he's crazy and says, Your purpose and your legacy are your kids and, yeah. and me. And I I just, I felt his frustration and I felt her frustration too in that moment. Yeah. I, I kept saying to myself, this is the good thing. I, I the, the dialogue was brilliant because I kept saying to myself, uh, yeah, I get that. Mm. No matter who was talking, whether it was yeah. the sheriff, with, whether it was the deputy, whether it was the kids trying to ju- adjust their new life, whether it was him or her, their arguments seemed so real to me for whatever reason. I kept going like, yeah, yeah, I get that. So I really latched onto that. I thought the the dialogue in the screenplay was was really great. Hmm. Nice, nice. No, it's all true. I, I agree with all that. It, it, it it's all true. I mean, like I said, yeah, Ethan Hawke is just like he's so good in this movie as like an actor, you know. And mm-hmm. I mean that that goes back to the lines he's given to say. You know what I mean? It, it, he could be a great actor and have great inflection, but if he's saying garbage, it's going to be garbage. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, what about negatives? Uh, what do you think, Laura? Do you have any negatives you want to spot out? That, you know, the one big negative I have is that this was my second time watching it. And uh, as you guys know, I was horrified to watch it again. I honestly can't even believe I picked this. Like, it was just starting and my husband was like, you picked this movie. I was like, I know. Mm-hmm. I was trying to scare Rob, but like, I am so scared <laughs> of this. But you know what? Even though it was still scary the second time around, I don't think it's it has good rewatchability mm. because you know what's going on and it just really drastically changes the movie. It changed it a lot for me the second time around. Mm. So positive, it was really original, negative, that's it. Then you try to watch it again and you're like, okay, I mean, it's kind of scary, but was it as scary the second time around? Hell no, mm. not nearly. So now I'm back to square one. I'm like, man, what's the scariest movie for for Laura here? I don't know. <laughs> because it wasn't as bad this time. Yeah. Even even the like eight millimeter film though. Are you talking about that stuff too? So I am. And yeah. I think it's because it stuck with me. This movie sticks with you. I, I hate to say Rob, but like this is gonna stick with you for a while. Um I very vividly remember these scenes with the eight millimeter film. And so like I've been dreading watching it, but then also watching it. I'm like, okay, yep. This is exactly what I've been envisioning in my mind for <laughs> the last decade. So, yep, yep, this is right. I, I don't know. So it, it's, yeah, it's what I'm looking for. It's almost like not therapeutic, but no, I guess that word therapeutic would be about right then. You know, yeah. the more you keep watching it, the more like 
not humanizes it, but the more it makes it uh, like un- uncrazy or whatever in your mind, you know? Yeah. Especially after War of the Worlds, I apparently make up scenes. So I was very curious, like, did I make this up? <laughs> no, I didn't. It no. was. You didn't make up any scenes in this Nope. One? This was just as bad as what I remember. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, I'm definitely, like I said, my, my kid is not painting anymore. Uh, I, I'm never going to buy a lawnmower. Like, I'm never buying a home with a pool. Like, I'm not doing any of these things in this damn movie, you know? Wait, so Rob, did I scare you? Well, scared, scared is like a... I mean, I did do my test. I did my test in this movie. Was was like, after I'm done watching it at night... You know, I turn off the light and I yes. have like five, I have like five seconds to get to the door, you know, before this happens. And definitely, you know, I definitely shuffled pretty quickly to the door. Yes. You know? <laughs> I definitely shuffled pretty quickly to the door. And, Greg, we did it. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, but uh, I mean, like I said, there is some pretty good jump scares in this movie, you yeah. know, Um but I really feel like this whole movie to me, it's it's all that eight millimeter film. It's all like that just unnerving mm-hmm. imagery combined with the sounds and like that aspect to it. And that doesn't like jump scare you. It doesn't like scare you. It's just so fucked up. It's very disturbing. Yeah. 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 Like I turn if I turn off my light switch, I'm not like afraid a lawnmower is going to get me or I'm going to get like sucked <laughs> into a pool. You know what I mean? But like yeah. when I get to my room and I close my eyes, then I'm fucking screwed because I'm going to be thinking <laughs> about that. Like as I'm going right. to bed. So that's that, so like in, in, in effect, yes, you got to me, Laura. You did get to me. It's pretty fucked up. Yay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, positive negatives, I really already talked about most of my positives, you know, like the fucked up imagery, the music, the directing. I do give it kudos, you know, for the ending of being like, this is not a happy ending, you know, mm-hmm. as much as I, I don't know if it was a great payoff. Um, I mean, dislikes for me, like I, there is there is a lot of it that is predictable. You know, there's certain scenes where I'm like, OK, I know what's going to happen. It still like scared me a bit. Um so I do kind of have like that somewhat a dislike, you know, a negative for this movie. And then I guess just like, you know, talking with you guys, just I guess wanting something more at the end, wanting something different. Like as much as mm-hmm. I give the ending props for not being a happy ending, it still just didn't feel like it was what I wanted, you know. And so like that's definitely probably one of my biggest negatives. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any other, other points you want to talk about before we kind of get to the ending here? I had a, I had a couple of negatives that are really similar to your guys's. Well, the first one, which is almost not really related, which is the idea of, and maybe this this plays into being a parent of a young child. It's just it's hard to watch movies where you're hurting children. Yeah, these Super Eight films they have families where there's kids involved, and that's especially hard for me to watch. I just I find that it's hard to allow myself to be entertained. Yeah. D- despite that and i don't know why is you know and we've talked about that whether it's pet cemetery or invitation or anytime where there's like an innocent child involved in harm or de- death it's just it's tough right now in, in, at least at this stage you know talk to me 20 years ago maybe I, I didn't think so but um so that that's hard to see in this movie and i, I don't know if i really like that I, I wouldn't knock this movie for it but just as a personal note um another one i would say <laughs> I, Toward the end, when when Ethan Hawke's character opens up, the, he finds the box. Okay, he had burned it. Now it reappeared in, in his attic. He there was that envelope with the new reels, and then it had the label on it. Uh, what does it say? Extended cut endings. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super cheesy. I th- 
that language seems very modern. It just seems like did Bagul write that like extended cut endings in Sharpie on the envelope? It just seemed so dumb to me. I don't know. I don't, I didn't really like well, that. I it's thought fun. I took it as like the daughter wrote it or the kid wrote it. Oh, you think well, so? You think she, oh, there's the whole like thing we really didn't talk about in this movie where like the lid of the box has all the drawings that the children yeah. draw of each like, you know, horrific event, even though the drawings are kind of cute. They're little like bubbly figures and little, 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 uh, little Mr. Boogie is like waving there by the car. And, you know, um, but like, so I took it as like either the daughter wrote it or like one of the oh. kids wrote it. That, that's what I took oh, it as. Yeah. If it were more clear, the daughter wrote it, then, well, I don't know if you wanted it too clear because then it would have ruined the surprise mm-hmm. at the end. But then, yeah, that's interesting looking back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I, I think differently about that. But my last gripe about it really just speaks to what you guys both said is that there's something really missing toward the end and i don't know if it has to do with the how the protagonist dies and it's just a it's just a shit show at the end but i i really feel like there's really nothing you don't there's nothing to take away from the movie yeah after it's done it just seems that there there's something missing and a big one is i feel like we didn't learn a lot about bagul no Mm -hmm. there's the demonologist who goes in and he talks about it and he goes well bagul is is a guy who steals children he eats them and that was it. Yeah. And I I didn't understand what's the purpose of that. If he's killing children, why is he instructing one to kill the others? Why is there just one? And see, maybe this has to do with what you were saying, Laura. There was that controversial um, bridge to how he's doing it. I thought, in my mind, well, how is he luring the children? How is he getting them to kill the family? They never show it one time. They never show Bogle actually interacting with kids is he singing a song to them is he telling them he's gonna give them candy is he just possessing them but now maybe we know a little bit of the the weird answer behind it (laughs) he's taking off his pants they took it out then they didn't fill that gap that void with anything so i felt it was totally missing um Mm -hmm. so yeah you kind of left with that lingering feeling that that was the big that was the big negative for me yeah i i agree with you greg the whole like the goal backstory and stuff like i just i wanted more I wanted more, especially watching this movie and really loving the first half of like the whodunit, the mystery. So like this whole movie, the stuff I really like is like, I want answers. And then when you finally have like a scene where there's a actual historian and he's going to give you answers and you get like five seconds of like, Oh, he's a demon. He does this by, and like, that's it. You know, Ethan Hawke is just like, okay, goodbye. I don't need you anymore. You know? And it's just like, that's what I wanted. The whole movie, I wanted answers and you're finally going to get them and you don't give me shit. So I agree. That is a definitely a negative for me too. Then I kind of, I feel the same way. Yeah. Hmm. Crazy. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, let's get to our ratings then, you know, I'm interested, I'm interested to see where you guys are at with these ratings. Then Uh, I I feel like the beginning of our conversation, I was like, dang, am I going to be like super different from these guys? But now we're at the end now. I feel like we might be all on the same path here. So let's do, let's do one to five. Let's do, um, let's do how many bottles of Kentucky bourbon, you know, how many bottles of Kentucky <laughs> bourbon are you giving this movie? One to five, one to five. Let's go. Um, let's go Laura first. What do you think, Laura? One to five. How many bottles? I keep going back and forth between like a three and a half and a four. So you know what? I'm giving this a 3.75. Ooh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Because I, despite how I felt on the second watch, that first watch, this was one of the scariest mm. movies I've ever seen. It's super original. It's so creepy. This is what scares me the most, like out of all genres, like 
whatever the subject matter is in this movie, I know it kind of has a lot mm-hmm. bundled into one, but it really got me. I think Bagul is so scary. And Ethan Hawke, he, even though his character was blase, like he, he sold it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the ending is, is, it's weird because I enjoyed it, but then I didn't. Like, we keep saying something was missing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any of us can really put our finger quite on it. I think Greg maybe got close with like, he just then dies. That's it. We don't really see him. Maybe if we could like see him dying, I don't know. Not that I would want to see that, but I I don't want to see (laughs) some kind of closure. (laughs) I'm not sure. So, yeah, 3.75. Sorry, okay. that was long-winded. No, nice, nice, nice. Uh, what about you, Greg? Where do you think you're at? How many how many bottles of Kentucky bourbon? Yeah, I think sometimes we're we're so trained to looking for death where it's deserved. And while mm. Ethan Hawke's character wasn't the greatest guy, I don't think he deserved it. And I right. almost wanted to see this this payoff at the end where something happens or something gets resolved. Uh, and I don't know. His character was definitely fleshed out really well. There were some really good aspects. It was a super dark movie. I definitely liked how they combined several different, you know, subgenres. You had like the found footage a little bit. You had like the haunted house. Mm-hmm. You had the crime detective stuff. You had the demonology. A lot of different aspects mixed in. Sometimes it got kind of confusing though and, and garbled. And I don't know that I really liked that. It just, there were aspects that just felt very rushed and polished. And I'm like you, Laura, I was flip flopping back and forth because there are some things that they do really well. Yeah. And there are just a lot of gaps. But just my overall feeling, I'm going to say three, three bottles of Kentucky bourbon. Nice, nice. Yeah, I guess, man, I guess I'm right there with you, Greg. I guess I'm going to have to give it a three, too. I feel I feel I feel really bad giving it under a three. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like in my core, like I want to I want to give it like a two point nine. You know what I mean? But it, it is like such like a well-constructed movie, more or less. And and it does some things really well, you know. And then just when you get to the ending, you kind of like we're all we keep talking about it. Like we just feel like we're missing something. And and if mm-hmm. that ending would have been what we all wanted, I would have been like, OK, great. This is like a four easily, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I'm just going to say I'm just going to say a three. You know, I feel like I really love the first half. I really love the whodunit, the mystery then when you don't get anything paid off, I don't get a solution, you know, to what's happening. You know, I get a, I get the answer to why things are happening, but it's just kind of like not what I wanted in an answer. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say a three. It's a solid movie. It scared me. The imagery is fucked up, you know, um, like imagery alone. The eight millimeter, if that was like its own like 10 minute movie then that's like a 10 like that's like so <laughs> fucked up you know what i mean yeah. but uh yeah i would say a three it's like a solid three i think we could also all agree that watching paranormal activity watching this never go into your fucking attic i mean i the whole time i was <laughs> watching it we have never stepped foot in our attic we have a little ceiling door thing we've never yeah. once touched wow. it we've mm. lived in our house for over two years we're watching this movie and i asked my husband i was like if you heard something up there and it was like, maybe we're in a life or death situation, would you go up there? And he was like, no. I was like, yeah, no one would go up there. Why? Yeah, like you let mm-hmm. it come to you. That's its domain. I don't know <laughs> what that is. Like we all, everybody, everyone listening to this, we all know where that random ass rectangular square opening is in our ceiling. Yeah. And the point is, is to God knows where it leads or where it goes to. <laughs> 
<laughs> never ever go up there. Let plumbers never. and electricians deal with that business. Yeah, you don't you don't go up there. I don't yeah. know. I'm kind of the opposite of you guys. I feel like if we get to like a hundred episodes of this pod, <laughs> I feel like we need to go to Laura's. We'll be done by quarantine by then. And then we go and we just get a Ouija board and we do a show up there. You know, I feel, oh, I feel like that's. You guys can do that here. I'm, <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I'm going to shove sage up every hole in my body. Oh, and, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> hide in the closet somewhere by myself with a crucifix. Like, nope. I don't uh, you got you're you're covered from head to toe. Then nothing's getting in you. Yeah. <laughs> oh that's crazy that's crazy yeah yeah oh there you go i don't think i don't think there's any more to say that's it for the show you know um (laughs) so uh that's it for there you know uh we're going on to next week's movie reveal now um i i know that you know next week's movie reveal is actually our first uh listener conjecture choice so we're we've been super excited to announce this we had a couple emails come in that were really interesting but there was one that stood out more than any other one and one that we, looking back, we're so stupid we didn't even think about this. So the, the listener that emailed in, his name is Trevor H. Um, he pointed out to us that this episode dropping uh, next week is actually on Thanksgiving, which we didn't even think about. And he recommended us watching a movie that I don't think any of us have ever heard of before. Um, it, it's like a, you know, a B movie. It's made by some college kids. It came out in 2008. Uh, and it being Thanksgiving, this movie is called Thanks Killing. And it is about a possessed turkey that terrorizes five college students during <laughs> Thanksgiving break. So for our very first conjecture choice for the listeners, you know, thank you, Trevor H. We're going to be watching and, and reviewing and conjecturing Thanks Killing. So thank you, Trevor. Um, listeners, get ready. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun episode. Laura has <laughs> stories about turkeys that live in her front yard. Um, Greg, I do, I really do. <laughs> Greg might be rubbing some you know turkey grease on his lips so they're not cracked anymore. I don't know what's gonna happen there, but uh, you know, <laughs> oh my god, that might be his final solution. We might solve Greg's lip problem. Um, <laughs> But uh, I'm just going to be eating turkey, so it's it's pretty obvious for me. So um, <laughs> I'm thankful already for you guys. That was oh. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So so everybody listening, yeah. So get ready. You know, I hope it's on Amazon Prime because I don't know where I'm going to find this movie at. You know, I uh, hope I don't have to contact the guy in the back of his car or shit. You know. Uh, yeah. So thanks, Killing, 2008 film. Uh, I believe the tagline is "Gobble Gobble, motherfucker." So oh if you see if you see that on the tagline, you got the right movie, okay, everybody. So yeah, thank you, Trevor. Yeah, and, and, and we still, and guys listening, you know, keep sending in your your emails for you know next next times uh, conjecture choice. You can hit us up conjecturing pod at Gmail, Twitter, Instagram at conjecturing pod, uh, so we can get ready for that next one coming up in three four weeks now. Um, yeah, so I think that's it. You know, don't always remember to, to subscribe, rate, review our podcast, wherever you're listening to it and check out the slash and cast podcast network slash and cast.net or slash and cast YouTube channel. Um, yeah, this has been the conjecturing. I've been Rob and Laura and Greg. Yeah. Until next time. Remember Horace objectives to conjecture away. See ya. Bye. See ya. Bagoo. <laughs> Thank you.
yeah, Mr. Boogie. 